1: Welcome, everyone. Here is another Baseball America podcast. Maybe a little noisier than normal on this one. We have John Manuel, Josh Norris, and me, J.J. Cooper, in a car on our way to Canapolis, which is a little bit of a haul, but Alec Hansen is throwing tonight. The uh, the Really, one of the breakout prospects of the second half of the season. It's a good reason it's the second half of the season. First half of the season, Alec Hansen wasn't a pro. And the White Sox right-hander, who was a second-round pick, if I remember correctly, and uh, has been dominant. And so he's going to make his low Class A debut tonight in Kannapolis, about two hours away from the Baseball America World Headquarters in Durham, North Carolina. So, John, as we get ready to see Alec Hansen, it it is amazing how far he's went, then came back, and now how far he's gone in the past, I would say, 15 months. Is that a fair way to put it? It is. And, you know, this trip is part of – that is the
2: first time as editor-in-chief that we've done kind of a staff development at least since 2012. The last time we did staff development, we did a little uh, retreat. JJ, remember down in oh, yeah. uh, Southern Pines for a day or Pinehurst? Uh, Will Lingo does it a little classier than me. I do it in the office. I don't even order food. And we go to we Will took us to Southern Pines. But on that trip, the highlight of that trip was, uh, and Connor Glassy listens to all of our podcasts. I don't remember this. Connor and I, on the way back, we went to Duke that Marcus day. Marcus Stroman. Saw Marcus Stroman against George Washington, and Marcus Stroman struck out 17 that night, and he was just sick. I mean, he was, he was so good, and um, so I'm hoping Alec Hansen is that good. This is the, Here's a guy who has – Alec Hansen checks a lot of boxes for me. He throws hard. He went to high school in Colorado. Connor wrote about him that year. You, you do love he, your
1: Colorado. High I love the Colorado
2: pitchers. prep phylum of pitchers. Um, Connor wrote about him his high school senior year being hurt that year. Um, he's had on and off injury trouble, but he's never, so he's really, A, he's never pitched a full season healthy, either in, uh, since his high school junior year, I guess. Um, that includes just three seasons at Oklahoma, and then well, this season though he
1: never was he never was sidelined this year with an actual injury.
2: Yeah, it was not injury. It was just although he missed the fall with an injury, it was just he didn't throw enough strikes this spring. Um, but this you know, he went into the spring JJ as the potential. He was number two on our board. He was kind of like uh, analogous to Michael Machuela from the twenty fifteen draft. If he had a healthy full season, he had more stuff than any other college right hander in the draft class, so uh, it's not a surprise that the White Sox drafted him because they like pitching project projects, and in a small way, it's not a surprise that he's been good as a pro so far as a White Sox, but he's thrown a lot of, in the Pioneer League, he threw a lot of strikes. Now he's going to take it up a notch in the South Atlantic League, so we thought it was a good time for us to go, uh, I guess seven of us from the staff are going down to this game I hope hopefully it won't be a seven person tweet storm in your timeline. It will be a tonight. seven person tweet storm. It your probably time. will be, but uh, we should have some fun. I uh, haven't been to a Kanopolis game because they were the Bull Weevils, and it was opening day,
3: 1996,
1: and I was a lead writer for the Hickory
3: uh,
1: Crawdads. Josh, is this your first
3: Canapolis? No, I think they went to one each of the last two years. Last year I was a doubleheader actually. I saw Spencer Adams versus Luis Ortiz. Oh yeah. And then the previous year, I went for some reason, and I don't remember what it was at this point. I know West Virginia was playing. It wasn't and was beef jerky? It was not beef jerky. Jonathan, Jonathan
1: Barrios was pitched in that game. Um, and that is really all I remember, because like, he hit 100. That, I think this will get me... I'll be one away from uh, North Carolina minor league Go. <laughs> I think the funny thing is, is the one I have left is... The new Charlotte Park. I've been to the old Charlotte Park, but I have yet to be to the new Charlotte Park. I haven't been to Winston Salem yet. Make believe oh. that. I think I've hit them all. Uh, I would that's not if you for that's, me. That's, that's impressive, though, Josh. I think, have you been to Kinston? Uh, no, no. No, no, that's, no, you have not been well, to Kinston. Wasn't not on the board at that point? It's on the board now. Yeah, it will be. So you are now no further along than I am. I mean, <laughs> I've been to Charlotte. <laughs> No, but you Mm -hmm. haven't been to Kinston, and I have. but I haven't had the chance to be to Kinston. I can't just go stare at a park. (laughs) But, well, before long, we'll have Kinston and Fayetteville as options. Uh, Possibly. It looks like possibly Fayetteville. Likely Fayetteville, I would say. But we don't know where they'll have that option next year. But back to Hanson. is a... uh, he's He's interesting also from the standpoint of he's a great reminder of how... What players do as amateurs is very important. At the same time, what they do as pros can somewhat wipe away very quickly what they did as amateurs. An example of a guy I'll, I'll throw out from the draft class last year is CJ Hanosa, who was a dude coming out of high school, enrolled early. Uh, I don't think he's actually, you know, I mean, he was a guy who was a, a significant prospect when he was in high school, went to Texas. And really, at Texas, I think the fair way to say it is, is that his career went in the wrong direction. He had a really poor junior year. And he had a great sophomore year. Not statistically, but he performed
2: well right. for a team that doesn't hit for a lot of power in a low offense era in college baseball. And he was the key figure for College Cowdwell Series team. Pretty sure the 2014 Cowdwell Series was the one with only two home runs hit. Yeah, I think that Also was. known as the most boring college Series <laughs> in the history of Cowdwell Series pretty good finals, but uh, but he hit one of the home runs, and so he was a guy with high school pedigree, and then he, you know, I believe it's pronounced Inahosa, but it's one of my
1: favorite yes. names to hear you say. Yes, I, I'm terrible, uh, I apologize, <laughs> CJ, a, because I am the worst when we'll it comes us, to names, especially if go, I've not seen a pronunciation guy. We'll go CJ from now on, but uh,
2: CJ was, so there was a lot of anticipation, and he wasn't put in the class of the great shortstop college class of twenty fifteen. TM, he wasn't there with Dansby Swanson and Alex Bregman and those guys, or Mikey White, I do, or I think Richie a, Martin. I think he was there with that's, Mikey that's White. That's where you saying coming into For the me, year. he should have gone in the Mikey White file of players. Guys who you look at them and you watch them, and you don't think they're athletic enough to play shortstop, but the bat should play. And if he's not a shortstop, he's an offensive second baseman and could be a middle infielder. But he did. You did draft coverage in twenty fifteen, JJ. And I remember talking to some national guys, and he was a disaster as a junior. He
1: had a brutal year, and what did he win? The eleventh round, twelfth round of the Giants. Round. And he has got, got 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 more got money in the eleventh round a little bit, not a lot, but like it was something where he was a priority post tenth round guy. And he's done nothing but hit as a pro, and he's in double A. In double A, in double A, his numbers have dropped off. That's not that surprising. He is a. First full year pro in double A, that means he's moved pretty quickly. So, his so is part of like, so when you're talking about
2: track record, how much do you weigh the amateur track record? I would say, JJ, that usually I value the track record of the amateur player more than most at VA. <laughs> um, I also would say that um, I've, i really, a, a hitter who didn't hit in college baseball, I'm usually quite skeptical of those players. The one time I can remember letting the early pro returns really sway me was well, one of my favorite impressions of all time, my Omar Manaya, when he told me, don't forget about that Duda guy. Yeah. Uh, that Duda guy. Because when they from the Mets drafted Lucas Duda, Lucas Duda hit more home runs in half a season at short season Brooklyn than he hit in three years at USC. And Lucas Duda was a guy out of high school. and He was a dude. The dude, Duda was the dude. And just didn't hit for three years in college um but obviously hit enough as a pro to be a starting first baseman on a pennant winning team so uh so sometimes so i guess what i'm wondering is how many of these how many times do we see pitchers though who drafted who aren't college performers how many of those guys
1: ever wind up really being big league contributors it's not, funny thing not, is it's not many. and we got two guys to really look at with this year one another guy who's been kind of a uh a standout prospect of 2016 is Braves right-hander Patrick Weigel, who played at three schools in college, was really wild as a freshman, was really wild as a sophomore. More, more
2: walks and strikeouts in California junior college competition, So not exactly the best caliber
1: hitter you're finding. Mean, it's California JUCOs, but... Right, but right. Yeah. And then he, he was significantly better, and especially got better as the year went on at Houston. But still... Drafted by the Braves, seventh round, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And at the time he was drafted, you're thinking, good arm. And, and to be honest, I thought, oh, they're thinking, okay, maybe this guy can develop into a – control gets a little better and he develops into a power reliever. They've already set him up the double-A. He's in double-A now and dominated – now, he should be should be really good this Saturday. He was, a, again, a three-year college guy. But the control's been much, much better. Start, getting a chance to start every fifth day – well, now every six day, right before he went up, because they had a six man rotation. But getting getting it started, regular work, regular work, and a little bit of tweaks here and there allowed him to throw a lot more strikes than he ever had. And that is one thing. This is not a knock about college baseball, but it is just the reality. Hard throwing wild pitchers—that's a very difficult group for college coaches to succeed with a lot of times because the reality of it is is that they have to be able to have some form of success before a college coach will use them regularly. And that's understandable. Not like you can't throw them out there, okay, for an inning on a Tuesday maybe. But if a guy is going to potentially walk three guys, he's not pitching a lot on the weekend. Right. A.J. Puck,
2: everyone knew A.J. Puck was the top prospect on Florida's team for this year's draft. But that didn't mean – but it wasn't a knock on him, I don't think, necessarily – he wasn't the Friday guy because Logan Shore was the better college
1: pitcher, even if AJ Puck had more stuff. The knock on him was is that he wasn't even the really he wasn't the second guy. He coach. wasn't the second guy. That was the knock. The, the knock, knock was the, is that yeah. he was when they when the game when when the series were on the line, he was the third guy that Florida wanted on that match. they went to the college series and they lost their first game
2: and they had an elimination game, they did not start AJ Puck, they started Alex F- Fado this year's, you know, the top prospect. Both of them well-rested at the time, too. So it was a... It was a rest. And then Puck came in in relief. He threw one pitch, dosed a guy in the helmet, the ball bounced all the way to the opposing, almost all the way to the opposing dugout, and he came out. So he was, uh, in the Alan Simpson parlance, low trust at that point. Uh, Alec Hansen was pretty much low trust his whole career at uh, at Oklahoma. The,
1: the, The great moments were great. They were few and far between.
2: Yeah, Josh, you covered one. Of the, so some of these guys who do come to mind for these kind of things, you know, the, the Yankees used to draft some of these guys too. The Phillies have drafted some of these guys over the years. I'm to, there was a name that just came in my head and left. Well, Jeremy Blige was more of an injury guy. Mm-hmm. But one of the guys I always think of for this as a deep pull is Ryan Drees. Ryan Drees was the ace of USA Baseball's 95 na- national team, was supposed to be the ace of the college national team the next year of the Olympics, but he got hurt went up coming back in the 97 draft, but he didn't perform for basically the last two years. He was at Cal. He was kind of banged up. That was one of the reasons. Now, he wound up getting to the big leagues, but I just can't think of too many guys. Like a Mark McCormick well, was another guy. I'll give you an example of a Baylor, Yankees guy
1: yeah. who's been a, a story in 2016 who fits this a little bit. Chance, Chance Adams. Adams. I was waiting for that one. Chance Adams, not that he was bad by any way. But he was a reliever. But he was a reliever. Part of, I, I do believe that if, health, if they're all healthy... A, a pitching staff that we'll look back on five, six, seven, eight years from now and go, wow, look at how many of those guys. Corey Taylor. Uh, no wonder Dallas Baptist hosted a regional that year. right? So we'll think. Yeah. But, how did they not win that regional? But Chance Adams has been obviously a starter for the Yankees, and he's been a very good one so far, Josh. I think he's been the
3: second-best
2: arm in that
1: organization.
3: Um Behind uh, James Caprillion, even though Caprillion has been you know out since April. Yeah, I'd say he's been the best one because if Caprillion's your competition. Well, I mean, he's going to he's going to rank on higher. I, our, uh, Caprillion, I think, is still going to rank higher on their their, uh, okay. their their thirty just based on reputation alone and the fact that he hasn't gotten cut on. I do
2: like James Caprillion.
3: Yeah, um, he's been really good, and the only reason he didn't make this year's thirty is because. I wasn't sure they were going to start him. they had hinted that they were going to, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be a true thing where they try to develop him as a starter or they try to widen his arsenal as a reliever and get him into different situations that he might face because they like to do that in that organization. So I wasn't sold on him actually becoming a starter, but now that he has, I mean, the reports are excellent on the guy. He gives—he almost gives up nothing. He does have a little bit of a problem with home runs sometimes.
2: But he's in Double A in his first full pro season. Yeah, and you he's kind of and he was, a starter. Yeah, and he's, and he's Hudson. shoving. Hudson Belinsky of uh, the staff obviously saw him on his way back down from up north, uh, because Hudson <laughs> does nothing but go to games. But Hudson uh, Hudson's game report on BaseballAmerica.com is pretty positive for Chance Adams. Uh, you know, this and his stuff, even this late in the season, very firm. And Chance Adams sounded like a guy with a starter's mentality in the interview that Hudson did with him. Yeah, I mean he's.
3: He's shoved this year, and all the scouts I've talked to about him say the same thing, you know? He's been really, really good. The the, the ding on him is that he isn't uh, a tall guy, and if he doesn't get the fastball down, it flattens, and he can get hit out. Uh, But other than that, he's been the most pleasant surprise and probably the biggest riser in the system this year
1: that I can think of. And I do think, I know it's a loaded system, but didn't you have Adams in the top ten in the midseason? Yes, I, I think I did. So he is. I mean, that was before all the trades, too. So yeah. Now cracking that top ten in the Yankee system is a well, yeah. It's going to be an
3: interesting thing because Sanchez and Judge are going to graduate, I imagine, uh, barring anything strange. I, yeah. Tyler Austin, who, good for Tyler, is going to grad. Might
1: graduate. Uh, and then, and then, but you're still going to have Fraser and, and, and Torres and
3: Mateo and Caprillion and guys like that who are going to be high up
1: those well, that list. That this, Rutherford, and, yes, I and, love Rutherford. And this goes to an interesting kind of like I got a lot of questions in the chat on uh, on Wednesday about Hanson, going back to Alec Hansen. and like some of them were asking, you know, hey, this is a guy, is this guy going to be top fifty going into next season? Huh. And and I, my answer was no, probably not. And the really the reason for that is is that How you can the twenty sixteen draft. They'll be top fifty. Nick Senzel, Nick Senzel, Corey Ray, maybe. Quarter is in high A. He's doing well in high yeah. A. That's an um, impressive assignment. I, again, you talk about the high school pitchers, I don't... I think Pint and Broom, you know, both could make the 100. I don't think they'll make the 50. A.J. Okay. Putt, possibly. Pot, but I would say probably more of like 50 to 75. Again, if I'm just guessing um, right now. I would agree. So the answer is no. Um, I mean, we didn't even mention Mickey Moe. Mickey Moe being there somewhere. Yeah. But I still don't know if he'll be, I mean... He's had a really good, you know, debut. Right. Yeah, I would say he and Rutherford will probably both be in the top 100, but they're not
2: necessarily top 50 guys. So this guy who got drafted after all these guys, by 50 spots or so,
1: is not going to be in the top 50 Is the point. Right. And and the thing about it is, is that I do want to caution people, college players in short-season leagues should dominate. Correct. That is just the, that's the reality of it is, is that, Uh, It is something where you see what he did, you know, in a a rookie, you know, in a short season league and you go, okay, that's really good. It's really encouraging that he threw that Alcanson throwing a lot more strikes, a lot more consistently than really he ever did at Oklahoma. That being said, the difference between what he was doing there, I mean, the reality is, is that he's he's not going to get a chance this year to develop the track record to completely wipe away concerns about his control and command. There's not enough innings, and he's doing it at essentially too low a level. He's not going to have three starts in high A or double A to show, well, I mean, again, three starts wouldn't do that much, but it still would give you some of that sense of, okay, he really is commanding it. He was at a level where with his stuff, because when Alec Hansen's on, he has three pitches that, Really, uh, an 18-, 19-year-old kid is going to have no hope
2: or should And also, an 18- or 19-year-old kid is going to have very little experience having seen, wait a minute, he's throwing three pitches in the strike zone and they're all pretty good? I can't eliminate one? or you know, I've never seen that. So young hitters
1: have rarely dealt with players of his stuff. Right. Even the guys who are in pro ball, because I mean, even if they throw that hard, they usually don't have. They're not. They're just throwing that hard. Right at exactly. that level. So I mean, so it's it's a great sign that
2: he dominated the Pioneer League, and he's really cemented the fact that he's going to be in the in the White Sox top ten. And boy, the White Sox need to have a good draft. It's a system that has been, you know, one or two players per draft. for you know what, a while, I think
1: it has been one or two players per draft. But. One or two players per drafts, not a awful thing, because they're not at their impact, because they've had a number of guys who do qualify. I feel like, like if you look at their look at their lineup, look at their rotation right now, you are talking about uh, Chris Sale's been a while, but Chris Sale, twenty ten, when you got him at that spot where they got him to be the guy he's been, that's that's a great draft pick. I know that's a few years away, a few years back. Tim Anderson, you need go okay, ahead, can you? Can you can you draw a walk or two a month? Right. That he's, would be nice. He's basically a younger, cheaper version of Alexei right now. Right. But you are talking about a big league shortstop with their first round pick. Pretty excited about Tim Anderson. If
2: you're if you're the uh, the White Sox, you're gonna be overjoyed by the year that Tim Anderson's had this year. He's certainly gone to the major leagues and he hasn't looked overmatched in any way. Even though the strikeout out walk rate is what he actually is. So I I'm, I think I have to be pleased with him. Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon, okay. a little bit of a down year this year, but he still has pick, he's still clearly a big league starter. And on that rotation with Sale and Quintana, you don't need him to be anything more than a number three. I think he can do that in twenty seventeen.
1: Uh, if he if he takes the lessons of twenty sixteen. And and now I'm just waiting to uh, to uh, hopefully at September first, September second, September fifth. Win my bet here with Josh. On, uh, Zach on, on Zach, Zach Birdie. Birdie. Who's the in the date of the bet? Yeah, just all year. If Zach Birdie pitches in the big leagues this year, I win. Oh, you're losing that one, Josh. I don't know what the stakes are. It's, so, uh, it's, a, it's sure a meal. It's, it's a meal shirt. at Chubbies. I'm I'm sure a it's, chubbies,
3: it's a meal at Chubbies. As long as we're not going to like Ruth's Chris or
1: Lobster It's, a, it's or a meal at Chubbies, and he's already in triple A. <laughs> Lobster Town. I don't know. I don't eat it's, it's, a, it's a feeding trough of lobsters. It's all you can eat lobsters in a giant trough. <laughs> oh, no. You have to stab them as they, you know. They're in floating a, in butter. Mr. Pinchy, no. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I've got, a, I've got a bet board on that. Uh, I have wiped it clean. So I mean, why did you wipe it clean? That's not I can remember board. it. I needed the space for something on the whiteboard. And that's not an official bet board. The bet board is something that does not get wiped away. It never was an official bet board. That's my whiteboard. <laughs> So, and now our, re- our readers are bored. No, no, so I'll explain to the readers. We do have, we've had the bet board for years, which is... It's an old bet board. I mean, we've got, this goes back to, like, bets over players who've been retired for quite a while now. I think you, JJ, you and uh, Will Lingo and I are the only ones who still work here when the bet board started, JJ.
3: Goodness
1: the board. I, I do remember, like, I mean, who was the catcher for the Mets? There was a Will Kimmy bat board about Mike Nickius. Mike Nickius making the big leagues or not. Mike Nickius, who I believe is was listed today as an assistant coach for Team Great Britain in the World
2: Baseball Classic. He hit, so, like, 10, 12 home runs at the Northwest League. He had a really nice debut in the North at Spokane for the Rangers. And uh, Will did that league, and Will said, yeah, he quoted, he used a quote in the write-up saying, I could see him hitting 20 home runs a year in the big leagues. I just lost my bleep about it. I mean, I, just, I was just beside myself because the college track record was that Mike Nuggets didn't have that kind of power. So he brought it all back around again.
1: Oh, this that leaves me. When we're done with this, going we're, going, right. we're going to talk Bobby Dahlbeck after that. Okay. Because When we talk about guys who have, in their first half season, changed a little bit, he's brought it back to where it was a little bit so far to where it was coming into the 20, 2016 spring. Terrible you but finish your vet board story. So yeah, I think it was Mike Nickius. I don't think it was Mike Nickius 20 homers in the season. I think it was Mike Nickius 20 big league homers. Ever. Ever. Yeah. I, I, I know Mike got a cup of coffee, but I'm pretty sure. I, I talked to Mike this
2: year. Uh, he was a grad assistant at uh, his alma mater, Georgia Tech, and I think I told him about the vet boards. as a matter of fact, in the, while we were sitting up there. We had a good long talk. Uh, Mike's a great guy,
1: bright guy, hell of an engineer. Um, but I never thought that he would hit 20 home runs in the major league. So well, I haven't mentioned in one year. I am going to wrap this up early. We'll talk Bobby Dahlbeck at another time because we're going to have to do some navigating because in about 10 miles, the entire interstate's closed. So we've got to hop on Waze. Um, I'm on Waze. I'm, I'm good. You're good? I'm good. Okay, then we'll keep going then. So Bobby Dahlbeck, who was helium today... On the Baseball America hot sheet, uh, prospect hot sheet, rare, powered by Franklin Sports. Um, rare American helium, is that what you said? Yeah, well, so, okay. okay, but, uh, so... So Bobby Dahlbeck, though, who was a really good pitcher this year at Arizona, and a... And a great defensive third baseman. A great right? defensive third baseman, and not so good with the bat this year. And... Really, kind of left the at the end of the uh, the the college postseason. Fair to say, if you watched any of the college anything, basically, you didn't have to read the college world series, but super regionals, regionals, you would probably just as a fan go, well, this guy's got to pitch in pro ball because he was a dominant pitcher. And the thing about it is, is Bobby Dalbeck didn't want to pitch. Bobby Dalbeck wants to hit. Bobby Dalbeck dominated the Cape Cod League last summer showed his power and now here we are as the end of the uh really as we come very close to wrapping up the 2016 pro season the Red Sox believed in the bat they were willing to draft him as a hitter and Bobby Dalback's hitting about 370 with, with some power in the New York Penn League short stint 25 games but kudos to him for essentially getting back somewhat to where he was and again, we expect guys, college guys, to do well in short season ball. But in the case of Bobby Dalbeck, I do think it's a little bit more important because this is a guy who really struggled to make contact this spring. JJ, he just needed—he really
2: did need some confidence in his offense. You now, this is not like uh, you know, mid-two-thousand San Francisco Giants, where Dick Tito drafts the guy and waits for him to fail as a hitter so they can put him on the bump. The Red Sox. You know, wanted Bobby Dalbec as a hitter. He hit 12 home runs in basically two and a half weeks in the Cape last year. I had one club tell me that you know when they did a fall in-house interview with uh, Bobby Dalbec, that the, he was telling all the teams, i not. I don't want to pitch. I only want to hit this spring." But a you know, coaching change at uh, at Arizona, he expected that he would just hit. I think it does tell you something about the makeup that they needed him to pitch. And they needed him. And they needed him. And first, they used him in a relief role. He was a moment of truth guy the first half of the year. They went to a series at, uh, I believe it was a BYU that was at Utah. They were using him out of the bullpen. They got behind in all three games early, got swept, if memory serves, by the Utes. And they had a a midweek game on Monday against uh, BYU. BYU doesn't play Sundays. So if you'll play them on Monday, they would like to play you on Monday. So Arizona played on Monday, and they just decided, you know what, we didn't use Dalbeck all weekend, we're going to start him. We need the innings. And he dealt against a very offensive BYU team. And that was kind of where his transformation started during the college season. This is a guy who, so he had 15 home runs in the spring of 2015 as a sophomore uh, at uh, Arizona. 12 more in the Cape. In between, he was terrible for TBSA. That's where I saw him in person. I saw him in Tucson last year, opening weekend, I saw him with TBSA, and I, it was bad looks every time. Uh, when I saw him in Omaha this year, he pitched great in a loss to Oklahoma State. I talked to him after the game, and you know, he was not interested in pitching as a professional, so yeah, the Red Sox were, but the, after the draft, I got some other teams to admit, yeah, by the end of the year, and watching it in the postseason, like the regional weekend, our mind had changed, and Tom Holliday, the... You know, father of Matt and Oklahoma State coach Josh broadcast his series that weekend and uh, in regional weekend at Louisiana Lafayette. He said up to 96 with movement. He loved him on the mound and Tom Holiday was a pitching coach. So, uh, so Dalbeck was a legit prospect in both regards, but I- I'm happy for him that the Red Sox wanted to hit and that he's getting some confidence. And One other thing I throw in here JJ is that remember how last year with Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman had hit in the summer. he hit in his college career, but then he got into Pac-12 play, and he really got pitched to very tough, and the, the book was out. Let's give the Pac-12 coaches some credit here. They pitched Bobby Dalbeck really tough as a junior, too, and he didn't go off offensively like he had as a sophomore. The same thing that happened to uh, Kevin Newman. So maybe Pac-12 coaches know what they're doing with the way they call games. And their pitchers are able to execute to really neutralize some of these guys who have had a really good pro careers to this point. Those guys were better hitters
1: in pro ball than they were in college. I think a lot of that has to do with how they were pitched in college. And that's uh, that is an interesting point because also you are as you as you as you pointed out, it is about how you get pitched in college. Is partly uh, about how the coaching staff calls the game. Right. Obviously, it's a little different when you go to, to in pro ball. The catcher is going to call the game. That may have been like for Bobby Dalback back a little bit this this summer. Like, oh, this is great. I guarantee you, he saw more fastballs the first month in pro ball than he saw all spring, just in terms of percentage and volume. And oh, I
2: guarantee of you that
1: absolutely too. I'd completely agree.
2: And, and, that, and that's I'm sure Kevin Newman has seen a lot more fastballs in pro ball as well. And he got uh, he got fastball in his entire junior season at Arizona and didn't show that he could adjust. Now, I'm sure that he's probably adjusted better this year, too. I haven't, you know, broken down Kevin Newman yet with anybody this year. I'm working on Florida State League calls next week, but staff development came first for me this week. Uh, I had to work on a style guy, you know, and, and, and uh, this, this immaculately planned trip. <laughs> <laughs> but, Josh, what do you got with Bobby Dalbeck or any similar players? Oh, no no mean, Sean Chase uh, anecdote here. Um, you're you're in full ducks regalia today, by the I way. I am I am in full ducks regalia. I didn't wear a hat,
3: but uh, also it's
2: not quite full. You're in the, you're in the
3: Peoria Desert Dogs regalia. I am in I am in Phoenix Desert Dogs. Dang man. it, Phoenix. Phoenix Desert Dogs regalia. Um, no, I've seen Sean Chase before. Um, we really don't want to talk about Sean Chase. No, I don't really want to okay. talk about Okay. <laughs> um, I well, do think we do have, uh, if we want to transition, that I we we're going to talk about the uh, the piece I wrote recently about the uh, the young Yankees at Pulaski. Uh, yep. if, if yep. that works. Um, I wrote a piece recently talking about you know a guy like Gary Sanchez it took eight years for him to get to the big leagues, and now that they have um, a whole group, a slew of guys from their 2014, whatever that year that was. Uh, they're mega international, international class. Side, yeah, that, that class—they're all at low cla- or uh, rookie level Pulaski right now.
1: I'm not because on, in one of them still there's still a couple in the GCL. Still, yeah, G-
3: Nelson Gomez is in the GCL. Miguel Flames is in the GCL. But it's it's Dermis Garcia. It's Wilkerman Garcia. It's Osvaldo Cabrera. It's uh, Estefan Floriel. His name is Flames. Like it looks like flames. It does look like flames, but it's Flames. It's pretty, pretty flames emoji. I wish you were with an Arizona team, so you'd be Flames in the Fire League. Be good but um, in any case those guys are all mega talented they're not putting up super numbers except for like Rutherford who doesn't really fit in the j2 class uh,
1: but no, he's, he's, he's a good bit older than those guys
3: yes they're they're um, they're gonna be uh, exercises in patience they've all got big time tools I mean Jemis uh, Garcia produces some of the e- highest ex- exit velocities in the system right there with judge uh, Esteban Floreal is a Excellent all-around ball player. Wilkerman's got some chops at shortstop, but hasn't really produced this year with the bat. And it's just on the eye test, you could say you see his exit velocity is not there. Um, Osvaldo Cabrera is a 17-year-old in the Abbey League who, like, crushed in the DSL, then crushed for a week in the GCL, then got pr- promoted. And he has absolutely no hype, but there will be some. He's, he's the goods, too. But all these guys are going to take a long time. Guys like Clint Frazier and Jorge Mateo and Gleyber Torres and – Technically, still a Judge and Sanchez are still our new guys on the horizon, but there could be this second wave coming that will even further uh, improve their uh, their rebuilding plans. I, I think that
2: happens at the big league level too, though. Like what I was talking about with Dahlbeck and, and Newman, JJ. I don't, I don't think the scouting report necessarily is out on Gary Sanchez because when did he ever hit eight home runs in 17 games in the minor leagues? No, ever no, happened. Well, no, this is actually five, the, the, but... this
1: has been the best stretch that Gary Sanchez has ever had. Which is fair, which is fine, because this would be a great stretch for literally Anybody. a Hall of Famer in the prime of his career. Right. Gary Sanchez isn't going to be this all his career. but I, I feel confident in saying that,
2: yes. But it's exciting to see him producing at the big league level. Right. When the Yankees really had to wait seven years. He was 2009 signee, $3 million, went okay. straight to the top
3: ten. And, and he
2: had ups and he had a lot of downs in the minor leagues.
3: Right, until recently, I mean, there were still questions about him as a receiver, and there still are, but he's shown an incredible throwing arm in the majors. Which is, we've always All had him as a seven arm, two, right, seven seven or, power. seven or eight arm, big time raw power. He's doing what exactly what the Yankees expected he could do, best case scenario. Now, at some point, someone will, will get a book on him, and he'll have to adjust to the league. The league will adjust to him and then it'll all average out, and we'll see what he is. But for right now, what it's looking like is, is pretty, pretty tantalizing for sure. And, you know, talking about guys developing, uh, talking about guys who haven't faced certain pitches before, like you were talking about, uh, I saw that same Pulaski team get absolutely mowed. As a matter of fact, Rutherford led off the game with a single, left with an injury, and nobody got to hit the rest of the day. Uh, Christian Castillo, who is uh, like mid-80s fastball, and an average curveball, but he could spot them, um, and they they did not know what to do with him. He struck out, I think, thirteen that day. That's <laughs> rookie ball for you. That is a rookie ball for you. And I asked the scout the next day about it, and he said, "Yeah, probably org fodder." But for that day, he looked like Cy Young against a, a bunch of guys who haven't seen a quality curveball in a
1: long and time. And that's, um, and that's again, that's a, that's notable. Like again, another question I got in the chat was: Is one asked about Tyler Zabucki? Uh, the, who's been had a great year, Thomas. Thomas thank you, Thomas Zbukic, who's had a great Service. year with the Mets. Tyler, uh, he, he had a great year with the Mets. He started out. He, he really a lot of his damage he did was in the uh, Happy League, and he's been promoted uh, to the New York Penn League. And he's a really solid prospect. At the same time, he also is a guy who knows what he's doing. And if you know what you're doing as a prospect, uh, as a pitching prospect in the Happy League, you are going to dominate. And that's. Again, it's not that he's not a very solid prospect because he is, but you do have to temper it a little bit because the uh, the Appie league is one of those places where if you can locate a breaking ball, if you can throw a changeup, you are ahead of the game.
2: If you can locate a fastball and just get ahead of hitters, That's you're ahead makes of the a game. Huge difference.
1: So. so
2: we did. We definitely hit some traffic now. So I guess we're gonna, we, we we're, gonna wrap, to, yeah, we're, we're, we're
1: gonna to wrap. We're gonna wrap this up as we near Canapolis. And uh, Alec Hansen. So, again, you you probably will not be hearing this before that game because it's going to be hard for me to upload it before then. But We, We apologize for the tweet storm ahead of time. We apologize in advance for the tweet storm. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And for John Manuel, Josh Norris, J.J. Cooper, so long, everybody.